Truth Espresso, episode 214. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Well, hello there. This is your host, Daniel Minnick, and I am here with my sweet, beautiful wife and co-host, Chelsea, and we are going to wrap up. We are going to conclude our series talking about parenting, to conclude our series to build others up. And last we talked about 10 ways to evaluate our parenting. We broke that into two parts, so five ways to evaluate, five more ways to evaluate. Now we are going to conclude with four actions for parenting that we should take, make habits of, kind of as guidelines, goals, and so on, but four actions for parenting. And so, sweetheart, are you ready to jump into action here as we talk about parental actions? (laughs) Sure, sounds good. And thank you once again, sweetheart, for putting all this information together, this outline, so that we have an outline, some notes. Hope that um, as you've been listening to these episodes, that they've been both encouraging and challenging. So the first action to get into is to remember to pray And yes, I know I should take this to heart very often. It is easy for me to forget to pray. Pray for my wife, pray for children, pray for others. And I know I need to work on this to make this more habitual. I'm one of those people who will often pray when I feel like the immediate need is to pray and not make it an intentional action. (laughs) Yeah, so as we talk about praying for our parenting, let's make it habitual. Let's make it an action that we plan to do. And I know that there's the old maxim, the family that prays together stays together. But that also includes our own individual prayers in private, directed one-on-one up to God. But there's lots of things we can pray about. So, so we are you want to talk a little bit about this action, the role of prayer? in our parenting. Sure. So I think that, I mean, after we look at how are we doing as parenting, and that's kind of where we were doing the last two episodes, looking at ways to evaluate our parenting. And after you evaluate your parenting, then you're like, okay, but now what do I do? I see there's areas that I need to improve or areas that I'm not quite sure about. And so one of the things I see frequently in some of the parenting books we've seen, but also when you look at God's word, that prayer comes up often. And it's not just a quick little prayer of bless my children or help them to do well today and things like that. It's actually this deep, heartfelt, falling on your knees, crying out to God type of prayer. And I think, I mean, I know you mentioned this about your personal convictions about prayer time, but I think so many of us can relate to that. 
that it's so easy to get distracted or kind of neglect that area in our lives. And I liked how you pointed out too that prayer is something that's an individual thing where we pray alone and specifically to God, but then there's praying together as a couple like praying for each other, praying for our children together, and then praying with our children too, because that's one way we can teach our children how to pray and what that looks like. And I think that's kind of a fun part when your kids are little, because sometimes their prayers can be, I mean, they're just so heartfelt. It's like, (laughs) what is on their minds? And (laughs) I know our littlest one, not too long ago, when she would they kind of go through stages too where they get really shy about praying. So she's kind of in that stage, but they will say like, thank you for going to church today. Mm-hmm. And thank you for going to church today. <laughs> Did I mention, thank you for going to church today? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's so yeah. cute. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's kind of like a fun part of being a parent is that you have all these different opportunities to make those connections and also that we're instilling the importance of that in our children. It's important to realize just how powerful prayer is. Of course, first of all, because of the object of our prayers, we we'll always have to remember as Christian parents that to whom we are praying and that we're praying to the God who created the universe and recognize that the God who created the universe is powerful enough to answer our prayers for our family. <laughs> kind of an understatement there, but the power of prayer first is to recognize, yes, the object of our prayers to whom we're praying, who has the power to answer prayers. And then I think a second thing to note about prayer is just how much, as you mentioned, sweetheart, it's heartfelt and how it can move and affect people. Like I remember our pastor talking about praying as a couple and how even when he'd find himself with arguments with his wife or something, and then they like, can we pray together? And then how much that would dispel the heat, you know, it it brings down the heat there because there is something to praying as you mentioned so we are praying as a couple there's so much depth to it to praying to god and how it's like praying to god brings people together and it brings focus and thought thought for the present thought for the future and as it can ease hearts bring down tension so on it, it's really good it soothes the soul <laughs> so yes that's another reason why prayer is so important when it comes to family, whether it's husband and wife or parents and children. So I'm trying to recall where this verse is from. I think it's in Deuteronomy, but where it talks about how often we should pray. And it's something like seven times a day when you're standing up, when you're sitting down, when you're going to bed, something like that. Not able to find it right now, but I was trying to see if I could find that. Yeah. I mean, I remember the forgive where Peter asked Jesus about how many times should I forgive my brother, but I don't think that's what you're talking about. But No, it was in the Old Testament. I think it was Deuteronomy. I just recently read that again, too. But it's just a good reminder that prayer isn't something that you do just in the morning or just at meals. And it's almost like, okay, if you think, and I know we've heard pastors give this idea of prayer too, if you only speak to your spouse like one time a day, they're going to feel like, hey, what's going on? Why are you ignoring me? 
And I mean, same thing with God. Like if we're just going throughout our whole day and we're not even acknowledging him and that he's there with us, going through the day with us, that can make it a little more challenging in our lives when we're not making that connection with God. And I think that's the part that I was thinking Deuteronomy is good about how it's telling us to teach our children how to pray throughout the day. So it's not just the one time or two times, and I'm pretty sure that verse said it was seven times. And just thinking, like, I've been trying to work with this with our children a little bit more, where if something, like, randomly comes up, like we get news about someone, or I know something's going on at a certain time, or one of the kids get hurt. I mean, there's so many things that come up during the day that we just stop and we pray about it together. And that's just kind of teaching them like, okay, God isn't this person or this being (laughs) that you just call on whenever you feel like it's convenient or you need something big. He's there to have these conversations with you throughout the day. And it doesn't matter how big or how small you feel like it is. He wants to hear what you're thinking about, what you're stressed about, what what your struggle is, where you need wisdom. And uh, I think when we do that with our children, that's just part of that training and showing them how, okay, God is real. He's there. And then not only just focusing on the prayer aspect of it, but also coming back and saying like, wow, guys, remember we prayed for this? And this is how God answered that prayer. And showing that it's not just we're throwing prayers out there and hoping that something sticks, but we can actually see when God answers prayers too. So we have to point those out to our kids because otherwise they may not see that. So I think it's cool Mm -hmm. that it's just like an ongoing learning and training (laughs) as far as when we are teaching our children how to pray. So I think there's this really cool verse that I put in here from Second Samuel twelve sixteen, where it just shows how heartfelt and how deep prayer can be and how burdened parents can feel for their children. Mm-hmm. So when David is pleading with God for the child, he fasted and spent the nights laying in sackcloth on the ground. Yeah, I think that was when he was told that his child would not live from Bathsheba there. And so definitely King David recognized, okay, this is a praying moment. And yeah, when he realized something is serious, just how much, you know, moved someone like King David is to pray and to make the environment suited for fervent prayer there. Then that made me feel really convicted and just thinking about, okay, when is the last time that I like had such fervor and intention and depth in, I guess, having that heart for your children and being on your knees before God and bringing your children before him? And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, definitely. Oh, something I have to work on. I would say I need to work on that more too. <laughs> You mentioned, well, in our notes, you mentioned different things to pray about. Pray for God to show us how we can improve or change our ways, even to pray for forgiveness when we mess up, pray for healing in our relationship with our children, or pray for wisdom and insight, kind of like James chapter 1, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Some verse examples here for about praying for children. So in First Chronicles 29, verses 18 through 19, we 
have, again, King David now praying for his son Solomon. He's praying to God and said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people, and prepare their heart unto thee, and give unto Solomon, my son, a perfect heart, to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies, and thy statutes, and to do all these things, and to build the palace for the which I have made provision. So King David recognizes that this child is going to be his legacy, and so he's praying for the hearts of the people of the nation there, and he's also praying that God would guide his son to be righteous as he succeeds him. And yeah, we should definitely be praying for the hearts of our children, that they will continue in the ways in which we as parents are trying to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then I also have the example of Hannah praying for her child, Samuel. So in 1 Samuel 1, 27 through 28, Hannah says, For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he, Samuel, worshipped the Lord there. So, in this example, the mother prayed to God to give her a child, and as God granted her request, she then promised to lend him to the Lord. And so, as we recognize that children are a blessing from the Lord, they're gifts from God, that we should also pray for them to worship the God that gave them to us and lend them to the Lord. <laughs> so, <laughs> I found the reference. I was way off, though. Psalms 119, verse 164. So it says, Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Seven times a day I praise you for the righteous rules. I will praise you seven times a day because all your regulations are just. Those are different translations of the same verse. But But the point is seven times a day kind of reflects a completeness, you know, like throughout the day type of thing. Yeah. Well, then you have Paul in his epistles talking about that we pray without ceasing. Like praying is something that we just do throughout the day. And it doesn't have to always be finding a quiet place, sitting down, having a 20, 30 minute conversation with God, but just like little bits and pieces throughout the day. And I think, I mean, that's how we converse with each other. We're not, especially during our busy parenting days and years, it's hard to find a big chunk like that to get away. So just making sure that we're finding those little spots throughout the day to work on that. So that's the admonition, the first action to pray. And now the second action for parenting is to confess. So as parents, we should always be ready to confess when we realize that we've erred. We can confess, of course, to God and also confess anyone we've wronged, which could include our spouse, which can include, say, someone in the church or whatever. But also is important to be willing and ready, as we mentioned in previous episodes, be willing to 
tell our children when we've done wrong and to ask them for their forgiveness. And so, yes, be willing to admit when we've done wrong. And yes, we mentioned that it's important that children see that we're not perfect and we're willing to admit it. And that provides an example for them so that they feel that they can do that too, because it's a good thing to do. And it's easier for children to admit when they're wrong, when they see that that's the example that their parents set for them. I also think, I know we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording, but when we confess or acknowledge that we messed up or we said something we shouldn't have or whatever the case is, when we're confessing that to our children, that it provides them with a sense of security. Because I think when we don't say anything or we're not owning up to what we have done wrong, then our children are going to think that they've done something wrong, even though they may not have, because we're silent on that matter. So I think it can make children feel insecure and also maybe even struggle with that they're always in the wrong. Like mom and dad are never wrong. We're always in the wrong. But if we actually say and point out the times that we're wrong, then that helps them feel more like, oh, okay, yeah, mom and dad are human too. And it's yeah. okay. And Good point there, sweetheart. And so this is kind of a silly example about that. But <laughs> oh, well, examples are good. <laughs> so just because it happened recently, but our one daughter wanted to have blue shoes so she could imitate Elsa from Frozen. <laughs> Because what girl her age doesn't want to imitate <laughs> Elsa from Frozen? <laughs> yes. And so we have these clear jelly shoes. And they're like just slip-on shoes, but they don't have color on them. And they're rather big for her at the moment. <laughs> but they're kind of dress-up shoes. And so I was like, oh, maybe you could color them blue with washable marker. So I'm thinking like, oh, this is a great idea. It will keep her busy and it's washable so I can wash it off eventually. Well, lo and behold, she decides to wash them and wash them on our carpet. <laughs> so they drip blue all over the carpet, which was part of the equation I didn't think about. And I was thinking about this later. I'm like, okay, I could get on her about making a mess on the carpet, but in reality, it's actually kind of on me because I told her she could do it. And I was thinking like, okay, it washes off. And I even said that to her, like, we'll use washable marker because we can wash it off. And so when I pointed out the blue on the carpet to her, I was like, oh, this was not a good idea mom had for this. We'll have to try something else out because this ended up making a mess and just kind of owning like what happened there. So she didn't feel like, oh no, I made a mess here. Now mom's going to get mad at me. But just being like, okay, this was on me because this was my idea. I thought it would work and it didn't. And not just keeping that inside, thinking that, but actually having that conversation with her so she understands that, okay, yeah, that probably wasn't the best idea then. <laughs> so I'm going to interject our trivia right quick. <laughs> okay. I was going to say something about like, well, sure, they're washable markers. That doesn't mean it's easily washable, but, you know, with a good scrub and carpet cleaner, it's washable. <laughs> <laughs> Lesson learned. Oh. <laughs> washable marker <laughs> is washable depending on where you do it. Oh. <laughs> okay, so I was thinking we could do the trivia right quick and then do the verses. 
So I was looking at the trivia for this week about how often the word pray or prayers Mm. occurs in the Bible. (laughs) Okay. So I need to guess at a good rough estimate. (laughs) Yes. Let's see. So any form of the word pray, not every example of prayer, but the word prayer. Okay. I'm going to guess 500. You're really close. Oh, really? Good job. I mean, so the sources say it depends on the translation. Okay. Like how they use the word pray Mm. and stuff. Okay. I was always thinking like, is it a certain Hebrew word that is often translated as pray? Yeah. Or like sometimes David in the Psalms says, I cried out to you. So I don't know if other translations would say like I prayed, but so they say like there's at least 600 times where prayer is mentioned in the Bible, but it could be closer to 800 depending on translations and stuff. Yeah, like petition, request, yeah, as you mentioned, cried out, you know, how that would be translated. Yeah, I thought it was also interesting that the Apostle Paul mentions prayer quite often. <laughs> So it was over 40 times that the Apostle Paul will mentions prayer in his epistles. Prayer and supplication yeah. <laughs> with thanksgiving. And then the last trivia question is, how many times do you think the word confess is mentioned in the Bible? I'm going to go lower on that one. I'll say 200. <laughs> Probably not even close. But. So yeah, you had a good guess there, but... <laughs> <laughs> So the word, the specific word confess is mentioned about 26 times <laughs> in the King James Version. Okay. So again, it can vary depending on what version, but the range is like 26 to 54. Is oh, what yeah. I was saw. Uh, and I think I was actually trying to find verses for this. And so I was looking at the word confess and then looking up at the Strong's number to see how can I find verses about confessing, but the word could sometimes be translated as praise or acknowledge or, you know, so basically it's just uttering something like that, you know. <laughs> so like, I will utter to you, God, I will confess to you, God. And yeah. So I guess yeah, it really does depend on the translation there. Yeah. So it's interesting, like prayer is definitely important and that's why it's first on our list (laughs) of actions to take hello this is keith helsley of quest for truth and i'm nathan caldwell together we talk about worldviews things that affect our pop culture today we role play the viewpoints represented we sift through some of the faulty logic in them and compare them to what Scripture says. Once a month, we dig into the Bible. Going through one book at a time. One verse, or phrase, at a time. Exposing the truth in Scripture. Truth exposed. Hey, that sounds like a good name for a podcast. I like it. How about explicit truth? No. Hmm. How about... Naked Truth. No, no, no. Check out Truth Exposed on the first week every month. You missed something, Keith. Our audio drama. As long as our protectorate players have all their parts in. And our lazy script department has the scripts ready. Um, isn't that you? 
Make that our hard-working script department. Watch for new audio dramas on the third week of the month. Quest for truth. Because if it's true, it's true inside the Bible as well as outside the Bible. Check out life-truth.com. So do you have some Bible verses that you want to share with us about confessing? I found a passage in Psalms, which often is one that you go to when you see like deep struggles and emotions, but the context of it has to do with kind of owning up and confessing sins to God. So the psalmist writes in Psalm 32 verses 3 through 5, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. So basically he's saying, I was crying so much that I can no longer cry. The tears stopped coming out. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. So yeah, this passage is kind of demonstrating like when you recognize that deep need to confess something, but you're holding back and how it's just eating you inside. (laughs) I feel like my body is aching and waxing and roaring inside. And it's kind of like when I could finally, you know, just get it out, spill it out and confess to God, then he forgave my sins. Selah. (laughs) Like, okay, I think that's a cool passage to demonstrate. Like, stop holding it in just confess and you'll feel better yeah i think that confession's one of those things that it's hard to do but then once you do it it makes it so much easier i like the passage in first john 1 9 and this is the common verse that we hear a lot when we think about confession but it says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness So there's so much hope in that, that it's like, okay, we're not a lost cause. And especially as parents, because there's days where it's like, all right, am I doing anything right as a parent? This is really hard, or this has been a really long day. And I lost my temper with my kids and it can feel kind of hopeless. But when we confess that to God, that he's ready and willing to forgive us and make us whole. And then I think that just kind of gives us that strength and hope and ability to keep going and know like okay God's on my side (laughs) he knows that this is hard and yet he's still willing to keep walking this journey with us yeah it also reminds me of a psalm which I don't have a reference for about the one who covers his sins doesn't prosper but the one who confesses and forsakes it will have mercy you know so it's Mm -hmm. kind of like don't hold it in don't hide it if you confess it you will get that relief you will get that forgiveness and mercy and we can so tend to just not want to confess because we feel like it's just kind of like an open wound or you confess something and then it's like you know either someone else or god will be like aha you admit it now time to face the cruel consequences (laughs) where it's like no confess your sins to god and you get forgiveness (laughs) Mm. so that was number two action first was pray second was confess and now third is 
change. <laughs> so we can always find room for improvement and change, you know, as we're seeking to do God's will with our parenting. We should always be changing as we're looking for ways to change for the better. And often when it comes to finding things that we do need to change, sometimes we need help with that. And so, yeah, asking for help is not a sign of weakness, but it demonstrates humility, which we see that the Bible, God always honors humility, like God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Oh, I'm going to have to say it again. (laughs) I think change is hard. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, huh, confession's hard. Huh, change is hard. (laughs) but i think change is hard and that's probably i think how you mentioned babe that there's like that prideful side of us that's like we do everything right or we don't need to change and okay we have to overcome that side of us and know that there's always that room for improvement and i mean circumstances change life changes like different things can come up you know you can have a job loss or a sickness or so many different things that can come into play and then it forces us to have to change and i know we've had a few like i mean just smaller changes recently but sometimes i'm like ah, i don't know if i can handle this change <laughs> but that's also the part where it's like Okay, when you realize that there's change, that you're not doing it alone. And that's my favorite part about marriage. And having you for my husband, it's like we're not doing it alone. We are doing it as a team and we're going to go through it together. And I just love that. I just feel like so supported by you and encouraged. And it's like, okay, we can do this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I'm glad that you feel that way about me. And I definitely feel that way about you, sweetheart. As you mentioned, we're a team. And so, yes, if we realize that something needs to change, that we need ourselves to improve, asking our spouse to help is a good thing. It can feel humbling, but it it improves you <laughs> to ask your spouse for the help to change. And of course, asking God for help, and then if necessary, asking for others. But of course, as parents, we should go to our spouses, God first, spouse second, maybe even sometimes asking children to help. That can be very humbling. But I know I've heard you, sweetheart, say like, okay, I I need you guys to like, just help me, whatever, because I might not remember, but help me to do whatever. And I know children like to be in involved in that to help their parents out with things that ultimately helps them. And, you know, as we mentioned, confessing in the last action, confessing, admitting when we have faults, when we have sins that we need to take care of. And this is kind of the action. Well, once you've confessed it, you're realizing, okay, I want to stop doing that, or I need to admit that I did this and I need to change that I want to avoid doing it again. So then the role of asking others for help, I think displays beautifully in Galatians 6 verses 1 through 2, where the Apostle Paul says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
even in the role of marriage there, I think that this fits well. If a spouse is taken in a fault and needs help, reach out to the other spouse, which in many cases would be the spiritual one in that situation. Restore in the spirit of meekness, not cutting down or critical, but meekly help someone to recover from the fault. And also it mentions recognizing, okay, you look at that as the spiritual one restoring the one who's faulted, but you look at it in such a way where you see like, I need to consider also that I'm not tempted as well. I'm doing this meekly because I realize I could be guilty of the same thing too if I'm not careful. We're bearing one another's burdens. It's a team. We're doing this together as a couple and as a family. And such fulfills the law of Christ. That is a really good verse for that point. And I think, like you mentioned, that just being like a husband and wife in a team, that a lot of times when I'm like, oh man, this was really hard to figure out with the kids today. And when I mention something to you and then you're like, oh, yeah, I have a hard time with that sometimes, too. Like a lot of times we realize like, oh, okay, we both struggle with that or, okay, this is something that's harder. And then we can talk about ways to approach that maybe differently or ways to do it better and things like that. So I think when we're coming together and we're sharing what the struggles are, what our downfalls are, things like that, that it's not to put the other one down and be like, you know, negative towards them. And I think that's kind of where some of that temptation can lead to that other person can be tempted to be like, oh, well, I would never do that type of thing. But it's coming together and being like, oh, you know, I struggle with this too. Or it's just coming together, seeing each other and helping each other carry that burden or look at how we can change and how we can do parenting together. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's awesome. And I do have to brag about you again because <laughs> I feel like I often come to you about stuff that I'm like, oh man, I messed up here. I was not sure how to handle this. And you're always like, I feel like I'm always caught off guard on your response because <laughs> you're just so gracious okay. and you're... Because I realize, as the Apostle Paul mentions, consider yourself. <laughs> like, you know, you'll mention like, oh, man, this was a rough day. I struggled with this when it came to parenting. And then I'm thinking like, uh, you handled that better than I could. Or you were able to deal with it longer than I think I could. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. Okay. How are you going to take the compliment? (laughs) You're so cute. Every time I give him a compliment to our listeners, he always has to tell me the rationale behind his compliment. (laughs) You're so cute. (laughs) I guess that's a fault that I have. Oh, (laughs) no. It's just just cute. (laughs) But yes, like you do a great job because I think that, I mean, both men and women, of course, can struggle with how they respond to another one when they're sharing like their struggles and stuff. But it seems like men in particular can have a harder time because they want to jump on that quick fix it type of thing. And then (laughs) 
that for the most part doesn't help us wives when we're in that situation because a lot of times we're just like okay we need that reassurance or that comfort or that direction or that you did a good job or whatever it is that we need at the moment a lot of times it's not that something necessarily needs fixed and yeah so you do a great job with that and so I'm very thankful for that oh thank you sweetheart (laughs) and so that was number three action change how is your flame of truth christian is it burning bright hi i'm rebecca bershwinger creator and host of one little candle a weekly podcast dedicated to encouraging empowering and equipping believers to be the light that god has called us to be so that we may pass down undefiled the truth of god's infallible word to the next generation so join me and light your own little corner of the world you can listen to One Little Candle on all major podcast platforms or at christianpodcastcommunity.org. And now, finally, action number four is to recognize that God provides healing. And so, as we mentioned, you confess the faults, or you confess problems, you realize that you want to change so you don't keep repeating the problems, but you also then recognize that God can help you and God can heal you from past mistakes in parenting, present mistakes in parenting, and provide healing for future in parenting, as mentioned that parenting is a journey, it is a process of of continual improvement with stumbles along the way. I know there's a lot of verses in the Bible that I could have gotten for healing because God is the healer. He is the help. But I have Jeremiah 17 verse 14 where Jeremiah says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. We recognize that God is praiseworthy, and one of the reasons he's praiseworthy is that he is the great healer, he is the great deliverer, so he's not going to leave us empty-handed, he's not going to leave us to wallow in our faults (laughs) as we confess and as we desire to change. He does provide healing, he does provide deliverance, and we ought to praise him for that. I love that verse you shared. I think that the verse I was thinking of for this part too kind of goes along with that. So Psalms 34 verse 18, it says, The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. I just love that there's, again, like that hope that there is healing, there's restoration, and this can be a challenge sometimes or a lot of times because we kind of have an expectation that that healing is going to happen right now. <laughs> or And in like full force, instantaneous perfection or something. <laughs> yes, kind of the microwave fix it. <laughs> 
And sometimes I think that the scriptures are clear that we may not see some of that healing or what all took place behind it until we are in heaven and we get to see the fruit of that because there are so many circumstances that can surround some of that healing process here on earth that it's not always obvious. Because like often we might not realize how we went through healing until later on when we just look back and say, oh yeah, wow, that was a difficult thing I went through. But yeah, God healed me provisionally over time. So those were four actions to heed in parenting. So the first one was to pray, the second to confess, third to change, and four to recognize that God provides healing. And so, as we conclude our series on parenting, and we hope that you've enjoyed our series on parenting, we realize that we are instructed by God as parents to raise our children in love and counsel, just as Ephesians 6, 4 says, or speaking as a father, (laughs) and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And as that's the primary role of the father, that's still also how we handle it together as parents. And so that's the purpose of parenting is not to trouble your children, not instill wrath on them through reflexive, ignorant parenting, but to realize what it is to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, treat them as precious, valued children who are blessings from God, and to realize this is a big task that God has given us in parenting, and not to take it lightly, but also to take it as a blessing. It's years in the making. And once again, we hope that you enjoyed the encouragement and challenging from our series on parenting and these four actions for parenting. And so stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso and God bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.